health, travel, finance, parenting, and entertainment. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. This is your host, Greg. Today, I am joined with Brandon. Hello. And Eric, how are you doing? I'm okay. So you guys uh, continue to be my repeat co-host, so thanks for putting up with me one more time. For the episode today around Star Wars, we are about a week away from episode nine. You two are the experts in the field of Star Wars, so I'm going to be very interested to hear your backgrounds for all things Star Wars. And what we try to do with any of our subject matter is assume people listening are uninitiated to the topic. We're hoping that we can introduce people to the original trilogy in the highest level of terms, talk about what it is that made Star Wars appeal to each one of us, um, and then on down the line into the prequels, into the 90s, whatever other media you may have been into as Star Wars just became the behemoth that it is, and then into the new movies, I'll call it the Disney era of Star Wars. So, Brandon, I think you may be the elder statesman of the group here. Why don't you go first? Tell me when you first got into Star Wars and what exactly was it that spoke to you? Well, it was a long time ago in a state not so far away, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, where I grew up. But uh, I got into Star Wars pretty much since forever. As long as I can remember, Star Wars was around and something that I enjoyed and loved. I I had the toys. Um, I watched the movies uh, as often as possible. Um, I have copies of those movies in every conceivable format. I'm sure if I looked or still had access to to those boxes, or if they hadn't been destroyed, I probably had it on uh, beta. But I definitely have uh, the trilogy on laserdisc because I have those in my attic. I have them on VHS, uh, DVD, Blu-ray, a couple movies here and there on streaming. Um, And I don't know what I liked most about it. I know I liked Jedi was my favorite movie as a kid. Uh, I really did did like that one the best. Um, But I think I just, I don't know, everything about it. There wasn't, there isn't one thing I can say that I really like about it other than it is a very familiar story just because I grew up with it. Um, and it's, it's got so many different themes that I think even though it's set in space and it's sci-fi, there are still a lot of themes I think that are um, relatable to people, which is, which is probably why it's endured so long. You said beta you think was the first format. Uh, was that just what your family had? Did you, how did you get it? Oh yeah. Uh, we had a, a beta max player in the house before we had a VHS player. We had, I guess an eight millimeter version was the first one that we had. And Eric, I'll segue over to you. Um, What was your first recollection of having the movies? Sounds like Brandon saying return of the Jedi, which I'd say for me was the same was the one that I liked the best. What about, what's your recollection? I mean, as a kid, my favorite, I think, was also Jedi. Uh, as an adult, I still get pissed off when you have people that give the Ewoks a hard time. So I, I would go with Jedi as a kid. Um, and an important distinction, I believe that we had a bootleg version, 8mm, of Empire to start with. So um, that that's kind of, I think, um, the earliest memory I have is, is kind of watching that um, opening scene. So I'm, I'm with you on the bootlegs. 
uh, our beta copies may have been like recorded off of HBO or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So I, I remember watching the beginning of Empire over and over and over and over again, and then kind of, um, you know, working backward to the original movie and, and you know, Jedi. So, um, and I would mirror what uh, Brandon was saying that, I mean, as a kid, I probably would have just said, I don't know, it's cool. Um, as an adult, like, I think Star Wars is a familiar story, but Lucas kind of designed that intentionally. I mean, he, he used a lot of the the elements within myth to kind of take things that are universally familiar, and he kind of mashed them up in a new and unique way, and he did it with, you know, kind of new technology. Um, so I, I think that that's really the appeal. It's kind of that universal story that, you know, humans have kind of been telling for ever. And funny you say working backwards with whether it be Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, and then going back to the original, I'm thinking similar, especially if I had to rank when I was, you know, five, six, seven, whenever we first would have started watching those movies. The episode four definitely was what I watched the least. Now, I'm not exactly sure why that was, but um, it was a a similar experience. Um, So like I mentioned, maybe for anybody that is potentially uninitiated at this point, one of you guys want to volunteer to give the synopsis of episodes four, five, and six? Why don't they just watch the Family Guy versions? <laughs> They're 30 minutes each, right? Yeah, that's probably right. Or, you know, it is on several streaming services. I'd say it's worth it's worth your time to kind of have a listen if you – well, first of all, I want to find the person that has never seen Star Wars that stumbles on this podcast. Well, you know, i got, a, I got an hour to spend. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, Brandon, go ahead, knock yourself out if you want to do a synopsis. But my recommendation to that would be probably just watch the movie. I, I wouldn't do it justice. Like – I would I would do a horrible job telling the story, uh, but it did make me think of like when my wife and I were dating. Uh, one of the things at some point I said, "We've been dating long enough," and I'm like, "Have you ever seen Star Wars?" And the answer was like, "Yeah, kind of." And I'm like, "Well, no, it's yes or no." So we we sat down and watched, and uh, you know, four, five, six, one, two, three, as God intended, was the order uh, that we watched it. Um, so that was, you know, she was marrying material after that. <laughs> well, I think I might have even told the story for our Disney travel that, yeah, my wife has not seen any of them at all. And I was giving her a hard time about all things Disney. So basically the pact was I would quit giving her a hard time or less of a hard time about all things Disney if she went through and watched all of them. So she managed to get through them, but was somebody that had not seen them up to that point. And yeah, mentioning the prequels, like you said, as God intended. Um, fast forwarding, I think she says the newest ones are the best ones and even ranks up prequels ahead of the original. So I, it's hard to get on board with that, I think. You think? <laughs> yeah. I could see I could see how someone who's who's new to it could say that because they didn't grow up with it. And you know, maybe it is that we grew up with that original trilogy in that we put more weight on it because for us it came first, for us it was part of our childhood, and for us there's so many memories attached to it. I think it's difficult to look at it without that type of bias um, as compared to somebody who's never watched it and watching them all for the first time uh, as an adult playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I wonder for our age, one of the things I assume for people that were old enough to see it in theaters, which 
FYI, for anybody that does not know us, we were not old enough to see it when it first came out. Of course, is the special effects, and you know, you always hear about the first shot when you have the ship coming over top and how it's sort of larger than life. And if you compare it to movies, probably five, six, seven, eight years after the fact, um, Star Wars is still better special effects um, throughout you know that whole period. I would say so. It's interesting for us talking about you know, the childhood memories and so on, but we had it all as a package uh, because they were all out. I mean, we, we, what, two, three years old when Jedi would have first come out, but <laughs> not going to the theaters to see it at that point. So I wonder if there is a, that much of a different experience for people that are at this point, what, five, six years older than we are that may have actually seen it in theaters and if they follow it quite as much as, uh, as, as folks that you know, weren't around when those trilogy, when the trilogy was first coming out, um, which then again, I guess, puts you in the mindset for people that haven't seen it until their adult years. Yeah. I mean, it came out, A New Hope came out two years before I was born. So Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I will attempt, I guess, a real quick synopsis anyway, just in case there's anybody that hasn't seen it on, on the surface of you're introduced to Luke Skywalker in episode four, A New Hope. You're introduced to Darth Vader, who quite possibly is the uh, most iconic bad guy in all movies. I think that's certainly arguable. Um, the main issue is the Death Star. Death Star is going to blow up the rebellion. Luke Skywalker meets Obi-Wan Kenobi, learns the Force, is able to blow up the Death Star. Big battle between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is dead at the end of that one, and that's pretty much the end of A New Hope. Empire Strikes also, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, then that you really good. What's the force? <laughs> yeah, what the force is. Well, um, it, what is it? It binds us. It surrounds us. And I'm sure there's quotes there that I don't uh, don't have all completely down. Uh, Jedi's are space wizards. Is that 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 kind of is the There's, way that, that yeah, it works? It's Star Wars' version of superheroes. <laughs> Who, who, who are really good with swords. Yeah, and of course, the big one for Empire Strikes Back, and the other reason I mentioned for us, again, we didn't get the anticipation of that first movie coming out to um, the big reveal of Empire Strikes Back that when you watch documentaries, you would hear about. But that's the main thing in a nutshell, right, is that Han Solo gets captured and goes to Jabba. Yeah, you'd have to watch to know who the heck that is and the gangster. Um, but... It is revealed that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father, which in the movie before you hear that Luke Skywalker's father, Anakin, was uh, killed by Darth Vader. Not really true. He became Darth Vader um, and then gets you into Return of the Jedi with the big face off between Luke and Darth Vader. Ultimately, he is able to um, turn him back to the good side and uh, defeat the Emperor. And that's pretty much the end of the trilogy with a lot of uh, special effects and other stuff in between. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with my and... original suggestion of just watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> just go watch the movies. <laughs> um, so before we go into the, the time between those trilogy movies and the prequels, is there anything about the trilogy, again, that you guys remember that's worth noting that it, is your theory of why Star Wars has been as big as it is, other than it is kind of a familiar story set in space. Anything else that that we may have missed? Well, let's let's just set the record straight about uh, one thing about the about the original trilogy is that 
Han shot first. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and you know what? Disney Plus. They changed it again. Yeah. Well, somebody describe it to me because I don't exactly know what the change is. He gurgles. It's like, you know, everyone's loved the changes. Maybe if you keep changing it, we'll love it even more. Now he like gurgles something. It's like, oh, that makes it so. He yells McClunky. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, that's, yeah, it's better now. Now we love it. So yeah, just, just put it back the way it was and, and everyone will be happy. <laughs> Was that a Disney change or would George Lucas have had anything to do with that? Oh, yeah. No. Oh no, that was a Lucas change. That was before Disney got hold of it. That was a special, uh, special edition change, and and it was they, they've they've right. improved it where the original special edition literally it looks like someone just like kind of like yanks at the film negative and, and he sort of pops out of the way and, and then shoots. Um, Disney has continued to tweak it, but that was on Lucas. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? That's probably a good segue for the timeline, at least from the movies. Um, you know, skipping the other media, but that would have been the next iteration on the big screen is with the special editions that had come out. I honestly don't remember how many years ahead of the prequels as were. I'm going to say five, maybe like maybe the first one came out about five. It was like right before it. Was it? Yeah, it was like a, a year before, I think, is when they released them. Okay. And I, actually, I only ended up seeing the f- episode four in theaters. I Somehow I managed to miss the other two. Well, then I don't know why the hell you're hosting this thing if you only saw one of them. <laughs> like, like, that was an event. I remember that being a giant deal that they were going to be in theaters. Well, and yeah, I remember when I went that to that one, I was the only time I think I've ever been in the exact front row in a theater because we got there late and it was like the only seats that were left. But, um, yeah, I didn't end up catching Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi on the big screen. Um, so yeah, you're right. I, I do sort of lose my, my credibility there. <laughs> um, yeah. But with the special editions, I, yeah, I guess it depends. Obviously, Han shot first was uh, the big gift from the first one. There was Jabba. That was the first sense going into the prequels as well that maybe Lucas jumped the gun. I'm going to go back to the special effects because they're they're distracting in, in pretty much every single sense. I'm not sure that any of the stuff that got added really made the movies any better. Am I am I not thinking of anything? Maybe the Wampa in Empire. So the Jabba scene was something that was originally shot and intended to be in the movie. Um but you know they shot they shot the that sequence with a you know a big dude in a giant fur coat. They replaced him with a CGI Jabba. Um, and may and you know they did their best making Han walk on his tail and all that stuff. Um, and they cleaned up some of the effects, like the glows on the on the the starships. They took the little uh, the film smudge that was underneath the the speeder um, going across the desert um, with Luke and and Obi Wan and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think there was some places where it was kind of they kind of did a little bit of cleanup, but it definitely was sort of like uh, Lucas went a little too far. And I think this really played out in the really uh, in Jedi. They put that whole uh, musical number in it with uh, Cy Snoo. They redid that. (laughs) Yeah. And just like they went overboard with the slapstick um, comicness of that. I was going to point to that as the worst that I can think of. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, they, they even did it again. They even made tweaks when they put the um, original trilogy on Blu-ray. They made tweaks to the movie to the movies again. They made Vader yell no. They made the Ewoks blink in the DV, in the Blu-ray special editions. 
So, you know, they, I mean, this isn't anything new that they've done is just, you know, more tweak after tweak. It's just sort of tweaking for tweak's sake. It's, it's really not, wasn't, um, it just wasn't worth it for some of those things. And it's really caught, got a lot of, uh, people sort of, you know, pissed about it. Well, and it's such a weird thing. You don't see that in anything else. I mean, you're right. There, there was the original special editions. Then they revamped it again for the, the DVD pack and Blu-ray to kind of help match it up with the prequels. And it's sort of, for me, one of the ultimate examples of it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> nobody, nobody was clamoring for these changes. And, you know, t- to be fair, I'm always a fan of anything that kind of, um, helps the story move along or, or makes the story clearer. And I can think of a, a few minor um, scenarios where special edition was better, um, specifically when Han and Chewie are chasing the stormtroopers in the Death Star. And in the original version, the same three stormtroopers like turn around and then they panic and it didn't make a lot of sense. And in special edition, they run into like a TIE fighter hangar and there's hundreds of stormtroopers and then they panic and turn around. So that was an example of something where I thought it helped make the scene a little clear um but by and large um you know and, and to your earlier point brandon i think some of it might be you know this isn't my star wars this isn't how i remember it but they're making changes like adding hayden christensen at the end of return of the jedi and was anyone confused as to who that third person was i mean we all got it we all understood it was anakin like it, it just seemed like making changes they're saying to make it cohesive but i you know we're not that stupid like we're putting the pieces together it's fine the, was it the blu-ray i guess where they tried to connect the prequel in, and and that did i agree felt very for even down to the fact that they changed the end music of return of the jedi i don't know why that i think that's what annoyed me the most because that particular song i don't think appears anywhere else in any of the other movies so that's just gone yeah you're correct it they they wiped that one out and there's some other small things that just sort of bug me like they changed uh boba fett's voice in empire so that he sounds like the clones did and it, it again yes. it's just one of those things where this was not a problem <laughs> you know we were we were connecting those dots it was fine um <laughs> so yeah it, it, it's a weird scenario where it, it kind of keeps it, it's currently being tweaked with the disney plus version now so i really don't understand why that is but you know you bring up boba fett i mean there's there's a history of bad decisions in the star wars uh catalog and uh boba fett was his first appearance was one is in in one of the biggest ones yeah the star wars christmas special right so i mean are we really surprised when some things kind of go sideways yeah no and i think uh, the Christmas special is, um, I think, amazing for how how bad it is. Um, oh, it's <laughs> you know, some bad. of the, the silliness correct. involved in it. Yeah. So, I mean, the entertainment value there, but you know, I think that's the first time that Star Wars kind of made a, a blatant cash grab, and I would suggest that now it's it's more cash grab than not. Um, but you're you're right; it's not like it's got a flawless record. There, there's also uh, Christmas in the Stars, the Christmas album. Yeah. <laughs> or any of the assorted disco things that they released along the way. Yes. <laughs> well, can we at least agree that the worst part of the holiday special is, I don't remember Chewie's dad's name, but him sitting down to that virtual reality thing and watching the disco dancer. Vaguely inappropriate. You kind of feel like you're watching something you shouldn't yeah. be with this like wookie guy. Yeah, it's 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 I would say borderline creepy. Yeah, I mean, you expected him to maybe like throw a couple credits out while the thing was going on yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about as uh, um 
nice way of saying it as I could have thought. Yeah. I don't know what the rating is on your podcast. I don't want to go too far with uh, you know, thoughts on this. Um, and, and by the way, I have the uh, Christmas album. They had it at the um, at the library when I first got to, got to hear it. I managed to get myself a copy after that, which uh, is apparently famous for its, its Bon Jovi's first recording ever. So there's a little piece really? of trivia I that, that I found out. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of the song, but, but yep, he's in there. Um, and so we're also hinting at the, is Star Wars for children? Is it for adults? Did Star Wars change or did the people that were children just grow up and want, you know, an older version? And I'm going to use that as my segue into the prequels. Um, because of course our favorite character Jar Jar Binks was <laughs> probably the primary gripe when, uh, um, the Phantom Menace first came out. So who wants to walk us through their experience with the prequels? The hype, of course, that came with a brand new Star Wars movie 20-some-odd years from uh, the, the last trilogy and just what it went into all of that. Uh, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Um, so, yeah, the prequels, I was 100% on board. As you said, it was, what, better part of 15 years uh more than 15 years between anything and um star wars fans the only thing i had to fill the gap were were books comics video games that kind of stuff um which some of them were better than others but it's the same thing as a movie designed to be a visual medium um so i was super pumped up about it um i remember loving episode one i went to see it the opening night and i went to see it again the following morning um so initially, I loved it. Um, I guess I've become a bit of an apologist for um, the prequels because uh, a lot of the stuff I I hear people harp on, I understand why it's irritating. But for me, at this point, it's sort of like I really gauge any new material for Star Wars is does it make the whole better or does it make it worse? Um, and like Jar Jar Banks is obviously for kids and he's goofy and but he doesn't really impact the story all that much there's a lot more in episode one as an example like the midi chlorines i was like well this has just ruined like a whole aspect of star wars so and, and you know, the casting was awkward with that kid was just too young for some of the things that they were you know trying to develop so uh, it, it for me like after kind of getting over the initial, like, wow, this is great. And there are legitimately, like, episode one seems to be the movie that everyone's like, oh, what a piece of garbage. There are parts parts <laughs> of that. The, the opening scene of that is, in my opinion, is terrific. The ending scene of that, other than, you know, baby Anakin flying around yelling yippee and stuff, the ending of that movie is really good. You've got a lot of kind of awkwardness and strange things to work through in the middle. But um, I still think there's some redeeming qualities about those um about those movies so i definitely was caught up in the hype i'm not nearly as you know gung-ho as then but i also haven't kind of thrown it all out or kind of poo-pooed it like i know a lot of star wars fans have real quick on the last scene i thought i've read in the last few years that people are even starting to say that they don't like the um lightsaber scenes from the prequels that they're too overdone is that really a critique because i feel like that's one of the best parts of the prequels like any of the lightsabers so I've, I've heard that before um part of what i liked about the middle gap between um the original movies and the prequels is um the books and comics and that kind of thing again some are better than others but 
it let creative people kind of think through in-story explanations for things. And I thought, again, when the prequels came out, those folks kind of went into overdrive. And I thought they were great. I mean, they're just fun to watch. Um, I think there were some really cool characters, Darth Maul being, um, you know, top of the list. Um, and I heard that criticism, sort of the official explanation was, I think the criticism was like, we got Luke and Vader who are just sort of like, you know, throwing, you know, they're, they're kind of like old school mid, medieval style uh, fencing. And then you've got this where they're doing all these crazy flips. And and the kind of in-story explanation I heard was, well, Luke was not really trained. I mean, these guys have been doing it since they were kids and they're, they're full on Jedi where Luke was just kind of figuring it out, which I thought was whether that was the intent or not. I have my doubts that was the intent, but I thought it was uh, somebody thinking very creatively on their feet, and I liked the explanation. Brandon, yeah, that that same that same sort of excla- explanation where you know the the fighting with the lightsabers is more polished. It's there's more technique to it is because you're you're right, and if you you think about it, that was the the height of the Jedi Order right before. They were all killed. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and and like you said, you know, Vader and Luke, Vader was restricted by um, his body and the, you know, the fact that he was, uh, you know, robot, you know, robotic uh, and Luke wasn't really well trained. So they were really just sort of hacking and hacking away at each other. Whereas you've got these fully trained Jedi who they've gone through the Jedi temple and all the training and all that stuff. You've got Darth Maul, who was like probably your first, it was probably like the first live action uh, appearance of a dude with a double bladed lightsaber. And it was sort of like, let's see what this, you know, this badass could do. Because the only other Sith we had seen was was Vader and uh, and Palpatine. And neither of them could really get around well. So maybe overcompensate for that. And I think that's sort of that same, that same mindset went into the, uh, the polish that was on the spacecraft. Cause a lot of, a lot of criticism was like, Oh, why are things so much newer and shinier in the prequels when that stuff was older versus the original trilogy? Well, number one, let's just look at when the movies were made and accept that that's just a reality of, of production at that time. Number two, it's symbolic of the way the old Republic was, and then the way things were when the Empire came on board. It was not just a technological shift, but it was almost a um, that 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 lesser technology, that more industrial look, was a symptom of the overarching uh, evil that was in the in the universe. So I think that's another way to look at things too. But uh, Eric, like you said, with the uh, you know, with the prequels, I mean, let's let's be honest. Anybody who says they hated the prequels when they watched them the first time is 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 a liar. We ate it up. We loved it. We wanted it. We needed it because we hadn't had new content from Star Wars aside from like uh, the droids cartoon series, the little Ewok, uh, the Ewok series that was on like ABC or something. We were waiting for a movie. We had been waiting it was until what nineteen ninety nine. I was in college when it came out. I was fortunate that our uh, college auditorium, they would get pretty early releases of movies, you know, not like right when they were released in the theater, but not not long after they were released in the theater, we got them at our college. So it was really great to see that. And uh, me and my friends were total nerds and did lightsaber battles in the aisle. We didn't dress up, but uh, we did that, you know. Um, 
but unfortunately, you know, over time, um, it just didn't, it just didn't hold up as well as the original trilogy did. But in that moment, we loved them because it was part of the story that we knew it was familiar and it told us things we didn't know. Um, you know, Phantom Menace, you know, if you go and look back, it's like, man, that pod race was really drawn out. And, uh, like you said, the kid that played Anakin, man, that dude was kicking a lot of game for a little kid <laughs> to a much older woman. Um, uh, attack of the clones, uh, Hayden Christensen is just awkward. Uh, extremely awkward, but, uh, you know, revenge of the Sith was pretty, was pretty rad. Um, it was very dark towards the end once uh, Anakin went to the dark side. Um, and, you know, there was there was a lot of emotion between uh, Anakin and, and Obi-Wan in that fight in that final battle. And, um, you know, so there's there a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of high moments, a lot of good points. And I think they closed uh, a good uh, a nice uh, plot hole for me, which was like, wait a minute, if Darth Vader, if Anakin built uh you know, C-3PO, why does C-3PO not know anybody or not know what Tatooine is? Um, and then they had his memory wiped. I was like, okay, thank God. Like, and then for me, that was like, great job, guys, because that's the thing I've been wondering since they first reintroduced C-3PO uh, on Tatooine. But, um, you know, the, the, the good thing yeah. about the, the prequels, especially, is that it, it, it spawned uh, the Clone Wars. Uh, series animated series and that is a hell of a series yeah it is um and i i, I it's 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 a really good one and if, and if uh, you guys have watched it i have yeah and i would say it's really good for adults it's not you know it, people look at it and it's cgi and they think oh it's a kid's show but as a adult i kind of enjoyed it of its own merit it, it's really good and to your point it kind of it helped build that story up where i think i agree i yeah. i when Revenge of this came out, I feel like it had become cool to just kind of trash Star Wars. And all I heard about from Revenge of the Sith was the end where Vader gets up and does, you know, no. And and obviously they're making a tip of the hat to Frankenstein there. And I don't know if that's the right decision or not. But like, if you go see a two-hour-plus movie and all you want to talk about is the 10-second piece of it that you dislike, I think you've kind of you're, – you're, you've missed – the point here you're you're just looking for reasons to dislike it so um and i my criticism of sith was that it felt a little rushed but something like clone wars really fills those gaps in and it does it in a very satisfying way yeah and and you know we might and i think and we'll probably get into this in the sort of the last the last portion that we want to talk about is is the mandalorian series going to try and tie into um, some themes from the uh, Attack of the Clones. So we can we can hope that maybe uh, you know cloning or that that, that sort of theme uh, may play out more in the Mandalorian. Well, I have not seen all of the Clone Wars, and I'm a few episodes behind on the Mandalorian. Oh, jeez. Um, the only thing I would add for just the prequels in general, and going back to even um, Phantom Menace. The other, not only midi chlorians, but when um, Shmi Skywalker says that essentially Anakin is Jesus because there was no father, 
I just didn't seem like the most creative thing to do in the world. No, I, th- I think there's also rumors going on that they maybe are going to try and close that loop in some way with the new movie. I thought I've heard that. Who knows what exactly that may or may not entail. And then again, Brandon, you mentioned the pod racing. Eric, you mentioned the age of the actor that was Anakin. And that was really my main critique is just, yes, that part was long. And also it just set up the next two to have to cover a lot of ground that ultimately I didn't think it had the chance to cover. I always said in a nutshell, um, they needed to have Revenge of the Sith um, while I think it was a solid movie, basically just mostly Darth Vader, mostly hunting down as many Jedi and having as many like knockdown drag out battles as it possibly could have. And, And there just wasn't any time to devote to that, I think, because Phantom Menace left so much still to get to in the next two movies. That's what I really remember thinking. Well, if you want to watch uh, Hunting Down of Jedi, uh, you're going to need to watch uh, Rebels, Star Wars Rebels. Okay. And that's, when did that come out? That's a relatively recently, right? Started when Clone Wars wrapped up, so I'm going to ballpark it at like four years ago, something like that, three or four years ago. 2014. I have a plenty of non non movie Star Wars uh, media to consume. Clearly, which I think that gets us to all things non movie. Uh, yeah, books, comics, video games, TV shows, like we've touched on. Um, Eric, I'm going to let you start. Uh, talk about from even the original trilogy. What type of media you do? Um, maybe storylines that were better than others, um, and where that went leading up to the prequels and then maybe where it went after the prequels. So I, I really focused on the novels, which is now the, the legends version um, of the star Wars timeline. And, and I, for the most part, liked them. I mean, there, there's a ton. I'm not going to go through individual ones. It started with um, the Timothy's on series uh, where, you know, it, it kind of reintroduces the characters. They bring in some, um, Villains that are really interesting in their own right. That I seems I know they've already introduced Thrawn uh, via the shows. Um, so, so it it gave you something familiar, but it also introduced some new things. I'd like to say all of the books were as good as that. That's not the case. Some of them kind of felt like a rehash. But that was was really what I got into primarily. Um, and, and I think potentially I'm still kind of struggling with that. That. In my opinion, that timeline is sort of what we all hoped. I mean, Han and Leia get married. They have kids. Luke gets the Jedi Order going back again. And um, it's sort of what you hoped the story was going to be. And I would suggest the new movies are not at all. (laughs) You know, if if someone was writing out what they sort of hoped the next step was, unless you're some kind of sadist, I don't think anyone was, was... picking out what the new movies are doing. Um, I was, as much as I love comics, I was a bit of a a latecomer to the comics. Um, Again, some of those stories were really good. Um, Especially, I I would say they actually got, I don't know if I want to say better, um, kind of the prequel and before era comics, I think are the good ones uh, where, where you've got like Tales of the Jedi and that kind of thing, which takes place thousands of years before the movies do. Um, and then when the prequels came out, that kind of expanded in a good way. Um, there's some lowlights, uh, which, you know, I wish I could say I've got a lot of optimism for this new mo- movie. But I think they're taking some 
story ideas from one of my least favorite, which was Dark Empire, which, long story short, the whole point of the trilogy is, you know, Luke resists the dark side. He now becomes a new Jedi, and then that series came out, and it was like, no, actually, he just decided to join the dark side because clone at Palpatine is here. And I just thought it kind of undermined the entire whole point of the the, the movie trilogy. So that's an example of, of more of a low light. Um, but But I think that's a case where the prequels might have helped the quality and kind of brought a little more um, focus to the expand. What was the expanded universe is now the Legends universe. I think I had just read, I forget where, a comparison of Lucas and the prequels and, again, all the reasons we've talked about, much maligned, versus what Disney has done up to this point, which seems to be fairly paint-by-numbers, pretty predictable force killing off all the characters um and where we're gonna end up and yeah it was at least giving the prequels credit for the worlds that were used and created and especially with weaving all of the uh the other media again in particular the tv shows um into something that actually maybe was more well thought out than it was originally given credit for um, as to, to where we are now with, uh, with the new movies. Uh, Brandon, how about for you? What were the types of books, comics, video games, TV shows that you were watching in between the movies? While I was in college, I know. So actually I had an old Atari game uh, that was about Star Wars. and It was very like wireframe based and it was literally the worst. Uh, I never had E.T., but if I had ever played the E.T. Atari game, uh, I mean, I guess this would have been my version of the Atari game. I don't know if it was an Empire Strikes Back or a New Hope or a Jedi game, but you were supposed to shoot stuff and fly a plane, fly a vehicle somewhere through space. So that was like the first Star Wars video game I ever played, and it was it was terrible. Um, so that that held me over for a while. Until I'm thinking the Super Nintendo, the SNES, um, Star Wars games came about where you're like jumping around as Luke with a lightsaber and you're holding it upright straight to deflect the blasters. Uh, and you're jumping up and down the the platforms on the sand crawler. Um, and then I played the uh, Rogue Squadron video game for PC and that game was legit. Like I had a joystick for it and I, that was like really like the coolest thing. And you could put in the codes or download the mods to fly a a TIE fighter or the Naboo star fighter. Those were like the add ons that you got afterwards. So like those were, that was a really cool, um, a really cool game, uh, that I, that I remember playing in college was that, um, rogue squadron, uh, game. But after that, I'd have to say my all-time two favorite Star Wars games were the Knights of the Old Republic games because it gave you a glimpse at uh, pre-New Republic uh, times and it talked about some of the uh, Jedi and Sith um, mythology, the lore that you never got from the movies and I never read any of the books or the comics um, up until very recently. Um, So, you know, that was talking about Darth Revan and Darth Malak or Malak. And, you know, just that, that it's just adding to that mystique of what the Sith used to be um, before the, the Sith that we knew in, in Sidious and Vader 
and um, uh, Maul and what was the other guy? Darth uh, from Clone Wars. Um, not from Clone Wars, but from Attack of the Clones. Oh, Tyrannus. There you go. The forgotten one. Because he was just sort of there. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> right? Um, but I'd have to say it probably was, wasn't was until I moved down down here to Virginia. So it was, it was post-2005, 2006 um, that I was fondly sort of like, man, I'm hungry for some more content. Like I want to, I want to know, I want to do some more. Maybe it's like for like finally like the seventh or eighth time that I finished Knights of the Old Republic. And I'm like, I'm tired of this. I want something new. Um, so I, I, I dove into the uh, Hand of Thrawn trilogy and I like burned through those three books. And then I think I started another, like a fourth book. And by that point I was like, I had just burned through three, three books as fast as I could. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to finish this. And then just sort of put things down and went back to my old school Star Wars days of just watching the original trilogy and watching the the prequels and and just being happy knowing that's that's all I'll ever have. And then uh, and then Clone Wars came out, so I watched that, and then it was like, oh, the uh, uh, Force Awakens is coming, and it was a brand new happy day. One thing I'm thinking of with the video games as you're going through those, has there ever been an easy Star Wars video game? I I remember some of the NES games we had. Um, The one for New Hope was hard. I think we had the Empire Strikes Back one, which was hard. I don't remember if they made a Return of the Jedi or not. I've heard that the SNES game was also very, very difficult. Um, You mentioned Rogue Squadron. Before that was Rebel Assault. Oh, that's the game. That's the one. But Rebel Assault was was oh, was that the first person shooter? It was sort of like a Rebel Assault was sort of a mixed game. Like you flew a uh, X wing at the beginning, but then there were some some where you're you know I think you get to use a lightsaber in it, but I know there's a point where you're using a blaster, and it was really hard. It was it was sort of the it was sort of the game before Star Wars games really took off. And X-Wing was a great game, but impossibly hard. And you had to, every time you died, you had a chance of, every time you got shot down, you would either be killed, which happened most of the time, and you had to start over. Um, you would be captured by the Empire, and you had to wait, like, real time, months, before you would finally get a thing that was like, you've been released, you can start playing your game again. <laughs> or if you were really lucky, you'd get rescued. So I remember, um, you know, I think part of the reason I got into computers was because of Star Wars games. It was like, we well, need to find your save file, and then if you die, you log out of the game, and you go back in and you restore your save file, and then you re-log into the game. And it's like, boy, this sounds like a lot of work for entertainment. <laughs> Maybe that's why I was into TIE Fighter because I remember with TIE Fighter, you could just set it up where you couldn't be sh- be shot at all. Um, and I don't remember. That, I, I was going to say the answer to your question on has there been an easy one? It's <laughs> TIE Fighter because, yeah, you could make yourself invincible and you could still progress through the game. That's, that's why I liked it. I, I, I like the ones where I don't have to work too hard because um, I even feel like with uh, some of the more recent ones like um, Battlefront, isn't that the one that's also kind of either you love or hate, but it's a pretty tough one? Well, Battlefront is designed as a player versus player game. So, yeah, if that's your thing, it's great for me personally. Uh, I don't want 13-year-olds, like, cursing at me and telling me I suck. and that kind of, So that's just not my style <laughs> of play. But I think if you're into that kind of game, it, it's 
you know, no more challenging than another game uh, in that genre. Maybe you should just try not being a noob. Yeah, I guess, see, that's the thing, but then I'm not investing enough time to not be a noob, I guess. So <laughs> for me, it's just like, <laughs> I don't need to be subjected to people giving me a hard time because I'm not putting enough uh, sweat equity into my video gaming. But that, uh, that was it the new uh, Fallen Jedi game that just came out? Looks pretty legit, though. Or Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, and you hit uh, Knights of the Old Republic's great. Yes. Um, so, yeah, and even TIE Fighter, while you can make it easier, TIE Fighter's the first game I remember loving because it had a story built into it. As you progress through the game, you're becoming like the, the hand. You, I think the highest level you can reach is the reach of the Emperor because you had mission, like Empire mission objectives, and then you had... Um, like Palpatine's personal assistant mission objectives for everything. So you could you could try and do everything, or you could focus on one or the other. And as you completed Palpatine missions, you, there was a tattoo you could look at in your profile, which showed you what rank you were for the em, uh, for the Emperor personally. And I I thought that was super awesome. Well, I guess we are to the point of the new movies. Um, maybe we'll hit maybe the highlights of the non-episode movies. I'm sure there's a different name for it, but Rogue One and Solo. So let's start with Rogue One, because <laughs> I, I will say that if I'm having to rank all the movies, it's at least in my top five, maybe even higher than that, that suffice it to say it made one of these movies for the way that people that have been fan, longtime fans of Star Wars wanted one of the movies to be made, including Darth Vader just being <laughs> super dark, super badass. Um, what I think, like I said, I was hoping for maybe more of in Revenge of the Sith. So what do you think for Rogue One and um, Solo? Brandon, we'll let you go first. Um, I, I agree with you. Of all the new ones that came out, um, I'd have to say Rogue One is probably – the best of all of them. And I think it was, I I think it really took, I think it was what was so good about it is that it was, it was very focused, right? It was, how did the rebels get the plans for the Death Star? It sets up the original trilogy. It's, it's that movie was, that movie was based off of one line, right? Um, and and it's just it was so dark. It was there was there was a very human aspect of it in the fight and the plight of the rebels, uh, of the reluctant the people who are fighting reluctantly in this rebellion. And it's just dark. And it was it it you know it, there were some sad endings to to Star Wars movies of. You know, we were sad that Anakin got his limbs lopped off and he became Darth Vader. That was very sad. And that he killed all these kids and um, in the Jedi Temple. Uh, we were sad when Han Solo got frozen in carbonite. But spoiler alert, Rogue One, everyone dies. Literally everyone you, you, you put equity in for that entire movie is now dead. The Empire has the Death Star. Yes, the plans get out. So, you know, ultimately things turn out fairly well. Um, but I mean, that's, it was just a, it's just, it's just a great movie. And um, I feel like they had just the right amount of humor in there with the, uh, with the, the robot 
the droid. I can't think of his name. I know what you're talking about. But like he was the he was like the perfect amount of humor to have in that movie. It wasn't over the top. He had great one-liners. He and he was a great foil, a great a great, you know, he was that that, that sarcastically funny guy who was the great opposition to this entirely just horribly dark movie. Um, so I, I mean, Rogue One definitely gets my vote, um, for the best of the new, uh, the new live action series that have come out. And the other things that stick out to me for this one is the new characters they introduced. Like you said, they did a nice job of developing them that you actually, by the end of the movie, care about them, even though you you know what's going to happen before it happens as far as everybody's going to get blown up on the on the final one. Well, no, actually, actually, the original version of the script, they made it out. Oh, really? Yeah, because – and Eric, you probably know this because I, I'm going to take your nerd level to the – to the top of the game here. I think you're at the top of the charts, but there was a shot in like the original trailer where the, where they were running on the beach with the, like the data pack and they made it off the tower. Right. And they did an extensive reshoot for that. I mean, rogue one was the star Wars movie. I didn't know I wanted. Um, when I heard that to your point, Brandon Bailey took one line and made a movie out of it. I was like, oh boy, this is going to be like the worst cash grab. And and the premise didn't even sound all that intriguing to me. But then watching it, um, and, and and right before it was released, it was announced they were doing extensive reshoots. So I'm thinking, oh, this thing is just cobbled together. It's going to be a disaster. And then when I saw it, um, as I said earlier, at this point, anything Star Wars related, I'm kind of looking at it to see, is it making... Is it making everything a little better, or is it making everything a little or a lot worse? Um, and Rogue One is the first one that came out that, as we were talking earlier, yeah, the Vader scene is amazing. They even did it in that he's just a tank going through. There's no finesse to it, which only forces um, you know what you see in the original trilogy uh, when they have uh, Red Five go down. And I mean, that's like a nerd thing. Like I, I felt like they were talking directly to me. I was like, oh, Red Five died. Oh, that's why Luke was. That's why they just let some no-name kid fly. They just needed a body. And so like they, <laughs> they put all those little kind of tip of the hats in, and then I would agree with everything thing you guys said before you know it's the right they develop the character as well there's the right amount of humor you really start to get invested in it um so for me um other than the original trilogy rogue one and it's not close rogue one is the best by a a landslide i like solo um but i don't know that it i don't know that it really propelled things forward it was interesting there were some pieces of it i liked better than others. I think I liked that they started tying in some Clone Wars things here and there. Um, there were some other things that I thought were maybe a little over the top. Um, so I, I liked Solo, but for all anything that Disney has released, Rogue One is you know a 10 and everything else is no more than a 4. Yeah, and Solo Solo is good, but it, it did seem that like there was times where it sort of dragged on and it it's definitely not my favorite, but it did set up uh, potentially more movies or shows because they they just surprise everybody with Darth Maul at the end of this thing. And who, if, you know, like we talked about, if you watch The Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebel, really does play a major part in both of those so- series. So, you know, if you're only looking at Darth Maul as to what he's done uh, on the big screen or where, where his impact has been on um, – episode one and then again he shows up in solo 
you know, that's sort of like, now that could be some, some straight up Disney marketing machine right there. It's like, Oh, go. Okay. You like Darth Maul in episode one, you've been hungry for him. You've missed him. We're going to drop, we're going to pepper in a little bit in a little bit of Darth Maul here. And you're like, who, where do I get him? Well, you go to rebels, you go to clone wars. Uh, and you know, you're just sucked back into that cycle of, um, of more Star Wars content uh, to watch, to consume, to to buy, if you have to. Yeah, I, I made the mistake of finding out that Darth Maul is in Solo before actually watching it, and I didn't realize it was so far to the end. So I think I was so in anticipation of him showing up that, yeah, the movie was fine. Um, I feel like Chewie has been so downgraded in all of the other new movies that it was nice that he got to be more than just a bystander, which is what it's felt like with seven and eight. Um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a bad movie, but I, I don't remember anything that really stood out too, too much. And the only other thing I would add for Rogue One as well is um, Grand Moff Tarkin is awesome as well. I mean, the way they did his uh, CGI character and it was as seamless as it was going to get. And I, really appreciated them even building his character up, you know, leading up to a new hope, um, which was just yet another thing that they did really, really well. I I'm, I'm going to agree, like putting him the way they shot him. Um, and I think they were very, very careful about how they did him. Um, you know, showing him in sort of shadowed in darkness. It, it just, it, it shows again, how far technology has come since the, uh, the, the, the prequels, right? Mm-hmm. Then the prequels, they were like all about showing off how, how good can we make the uh, CGI? How much can we show off this tech? Um, and, and I think this, this might be a good transition, not about Rogue One and Solo, but into the, you know, Force Awakens and, and, and Last Jedi is that from a, from a, a special effects perspective, point of view you see grand moff tark and you see the new the new series the new the new movies they've gotten back to sort of that that base where the original trilogy was with uh practical effects it's grittier uh it's more there's more realism to them uh, there is uh, cgi involved but it's a it's a much better balance it's a much better blend uh, than leaning like the prequels did late to just lean so heavily on the special effects that it became comical uh, after a long time. Um, so I think they learned that lesson and let's do some more practical things um, when it comes to special effects in the, in the, in the new, uh, the new movies. I totally agree with that, that they look <laughs> way better um, where the prequels could tend to be distracting with the technology they were trying to use wasn't quite there yet. And yeah, like you said, having the actual sets um, complemented by the CGI works better than just relying so heavily on the CGI. So Eric, we'll kick it back to you. We've got episode seven and episode eight uh, synopsis and your thoughts when you went to go see those movies. I would agree. I think the, the practical effects help though. I would say by the time you got to revenge of the Sith, they were kind of toning down the CGI enough that it was not distracting like it was in the original. Um, so I think it, it looks better. I just wish they would have gotten a story together to go with it. Um, Cause I, you know, I, when I, I remember I heard a lot about Force Awakens before going to see it because I didn't see it. It had been out maybe a couple weeks, and I kept hearing, oh, this is great, this is great. And I remember watching it and just thinking, are, are they, is there, 
I remember the first time I saw this when it was called Episode Four. There was there was nothing new. It was just a rehash, but it wasn't even it wasn't even a creative rehash. It was just sort of like everything got a little bigger and a little faster and a little more by proxy a little more convoluted. Um, so I, I just remember sitting through the movie and I kept thinking. When is the good part coming? I, I kept hearing about you know why this is, is is good or how great this is, and it was sort of tip of the hats in the wrong way. I mean, halfway through that movie, I was sort of expecting the cast to just stop and like lead the the audience in applause that Harrison Ford was back as Han Solo. I mean, it was so over the top that that you know it's that it was about Han Solo, and here he is. It's Harrison Ford. Can you believe he's back? That it, it just. I just didn't and don't have a lot. In my opinion, Force Awakens is the worst Star Wars movie ever made. Um, it it just goes it just goes nowhere. Um, it it there's no new new thought. I I I still don't really care about these characters. If they killed all of the new characters off, um, I think Kylo Ren is uh, as I refer to him, Darth Wiener. Like I like I I don't find him threatening. I don't care about his story. I don't care you know what his motivations are. Um, it just seems so convoluted. Um, and I'm I have not read some of the books and and things that give you sort of behind the scenes and maybe i need to do that um when all the planets get blown up you don't even know what's happening it's just like well i guess a bunch of do we care that these planets got blown up by this ridiculous planet-sized monstrosity that is is, you know just basically a bigger version of the death star so i I remember kind of processing it and and the more i thought about it and you know we could do a whole show on all the problems i have with force awakens but i think i think at the end of it what what really kind of rub me the wrong way is not only did they rehash something that already existed they made it a little worse in the process and i'll give you a specific example which still irritates me when they have the millennium falcon kind of light speed right to the planet it undid what had been pre-existing where you had to get out of a gravity well before you could use your your hyperdrive to get away from things so if you take that logic and then streamline it down through the rest of the movies um so han solo is basically an idiot in the first movie he's calculating all this stuff and dude just hit the button like it's literally as simple as just hit why didn't you do this when you were leaving just hit the button so it, it like not only did i think it was bad it made everything that came before a little worse tirade over (laughs) that was pretty good i was going to point out um, the one critique that I remember reading was uh, when Leia basically cold shoulders Chewie after Han's dead, <laughs> like goes against Ray. I was like, really? <laughs> At least that when they came out afterward, JJ Abrams straight up came out afterward. and was like, I dropped the ball. Yeah, I definitely should have like seen that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's literally, I could probably go on for an hour about all the ridiculous things that are in force awakens that, that just make, no sense whatsoever, but I'll, I'll leave it at that tirade. Brandon, what do you think for, for episode seven? Well, it's going to be difficult for me to follow that one up, <laughs> um, but let's, let's start with a few things. Um, Chewie's been getting, uh, has not been getting his, his fair shake of things or credit of things since episode four. He didn't get a medal. That's true. Why? Why? Is there Wookiee racism in, in Star Wars? I don't know. I think it's a commentary on racism <laughs> yeah. is what it is. I don't understand that. Um, you said they toned back the special effects on Revenge of the Sith. 
they fought on flo- on, on on flying robots on a lava planet. Yeah, but I think by that point, I guess the technology had come far enough where there was definitely so my biggest criticism of Revenge of the Sith, which I'm surprised like I never hear anyone except me complain about this is they have that giant fight all over the planet, and then at the end of it, Obi-Wan says, I have the high ground, you can't wait. I have the high ground? Like, we've literally been, like, springboarding all over the place, but you have the right piece of dirt, and, like, that means you win. So, yeah, there's definitely still some silliness in there, but I think the technology had come to a point. Perhaps he was talking about the moral high ground. Yeah, yeah, um, and that works great figuratively. Unfortunately, it doesn't make an ounce of sense literally. So yeah, it was like, well, what? So let's talk about the Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I I have resigned myself to the place where I am happy that I have them. I'm just happy. I I you know we 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 talk so much trash on the. Uh, the prequels. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just happy I'm getting new movies because you know what? I'm going to watch them. I like watching them. Um, I I like The Force Awakens more than I like Last Jedi. Uh, Last Jedi, I mean, I think Luke's performance um, seemed a little forced. Um, I think he was, that whole thing about everything you just said was completely wrong. Like, it it was forced the first time he said it, and then he said it a second time at the end, and I'm like, ah, this is bad. So, sorry, Mark Hamill, uh, <laughs> I didn't like it. Uh, but I think it's a. I think they 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 got a little bit better mix of of humor than the prequels, where the you know, like I said, the humor the humor in the prequels went a little bit too slapstick um, and too corny and cheese ball. So I think I think they got better at that. Um, however, those. Uh, that creature that was in the cargo ship where the Millennium Falcon went into, that big giant rolling ball of death, that was a bit silly and weird. But, I mean, overall, I'm just happy to have have new movies. And I'm honestly just happy the fact that we can, like, sit and talk about these things. And, you know, honestly, I, I, just, I just like the stories they're coming up with just because they're there. Um, and then I get to rank them. And then I get to talk to you guys about them. So... You know what? Some of them are going to be good. Some are going to be bad. I'm just, I'm just literally happy that that there's new Star Wars movies. Because I mean, if you look at the first three movies that came out, you could literally call every, except for like you know little tastes here and there of the the cartoons that were out and the Ewok series. There was like a drought of Star Wars stuff, and now we are just being bombarded by it, and we can actually pick and choose what we want to watch. So I'm going to say I'm happy to have them. I definitely agree that um, episode seven is a rehash of basically a new hope. So totally agree with that. And this is just my own theory of even going into these movies. Like if you look at the main three characters, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher, like of the three of them, who had the best career? Obviously Harrison Ford. Which one of them are you probably not going to get for the next three movies? Harrison Ford. Gee, is Han Solo going to die in this first movie? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like it's just, even if you sort of step back into real life and, you know, who they're only going to get to sign on for one. And then it's, it almost feels like their original thought is, each one of these movies would be a sort of a swan song for the three main characters from the original, obviously with Carrie Fisher uh, dying uh, after um, Last Jedi that 
had to be shifted in some way. I guess that's what we're going to see. But then the same thing with Mark Hamill. Okay, I've got Carrie Fisher. I've got Mark Hamill, who relatively speaking has had more of a career since you know those original Star Wars. Probably Mark Hamill. Probably he's going to be the second one to go in there. And then, you know, I know they originally said that Leia was going to have this major impact. In fact, and again, it just remains to be seen what and how they shifted from there. But even that of bringing in the characters, obviously the marketing is very easy to understand that they're bringing those characters for people like us to go and see the movies and then trying to get you to latch on to the other characters. <laughs> Eric, I agree with you that there's nothing about the new characters that I'm overly invested in. I don't really have a favorite with any of them. If anything, I'd say maybe for Last Jedi, I, I like Laura Dern as an actress and I thought she did okay. Um, I also like Benicio Del Toro, but the whole casino scene thing, going back to like pod racing, like, oh my goodness, <laughs> that that whole uh, scene, which, you know, what does it run, like 20 minutes maybe, maybe even longer than that, that seems to if it wasn't already derailed, maybe got derailed at that point. Um, now on the other end of sort of whatever the logic is for s- space travel and so on, a lot of people complained about driving the, the ship back into whatever the big star destroyers. Now they call it something different. I'm pretty sure I didn't, it wasn't Starkiller base, whatever they call the big dreadnoughts or something. Yeah. I um, I, I, that didn't bother me. I mean, it, it seemed to make sense as like a kamikaze run. <laughs> um, but I, I know there was some sort of complaints about that was not that somehow defied the laws of, uh, of space battle in some way. However, I just watched the movies again, of course, in anticipation of uh, the new movie. And with that opening scene with the, uh, the bombs that get dropped in the, the Rose's sister, whatever her name is, that makes them go. It occurred to me, aren't they in space? Why do those bombs actually go down? There's there's gra- there's there's gravity within the spaceship, and that's what the inertia it forces it down onto the ship. I like that. Is that official or, or it's is official that- now? There's the explanation. See, I was just saying I like creative explanations <laughs> yeah. for what the you know the real reason is they wanted to do like a World War II analogy, probably. But I like that. I like your you've got an explanation, Brandon. So we're going with that. God bless. Well, <laughs> we definitely hit uh, Force Awakens. Anything else with Last Jedi before we uh, close it out with expectations for the new movie? No, I, I actually feel like I need to watch Last Jedi again. I had kind of a mediocre response to it. Um, again, I've become too much of a Star Wars nerd. I, I was so flabbergasted that they just did like a one-liner that Admiral Akbar had been killed. I was like, no, you do a close-up, he yells, yeah. it's a trap, and then you can kill him, but you don't just like, <laughs> you don't just, like sweep him up. Otherwise, I, I didn't have quite as a reaction to that, but I think it's because uh, Episode Seven kind of, for me, reset the bar on what I think so. And for the new movie, uh, I've watched a couple of the trailers we hinted at at least um, that seems like Darth Sidious is going to be back in some form. I don't know what those theories are supposed to be. I didn't realize that it's possibly a clone because <laughs> uh, I had not read any of those other backstories or anything like that. But any expectations um, for you guys coming into the next movie? Brandon, we'll start with you. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of unknowns with, with this, with this one, you know, is this, is this um, happening on Endor? Are we going to see Ewoks again? Is it really Palpatine? Uh, is it his, uh, you know, dark side of the Force projection onto the ruins of the the Death Star that crashed? Um, is he is he actually alive still? 
Is it some other form of him or is, or is the speaking, is it, is it coming from some type of a, a Sith holocron? Um, so, you know, I think, I think there's so many, so many questions out there. And I think with all of the elements that have been built up in the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels between Jedi and Sith elements, I think they actually have a, a pretty deep pool to go to, whether they're go to that or not for the, for the masses. Cause I mean, you have to think they have to keep the movies kind of broad stroke, right? They're not going to dive into things like they will with the comic, with the comics or the books or the, 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 the animated series, just because those are for a different audience, a much more um, uh, hungry audience who really wants to, to dive deep into star Wars. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's things. And my friend Matt and I were talking and he's like, Oh, I think, I think it's going to come out that Ray is a clone of, uh, of, of Leia. Or maybe she's a clone of uh clone of Palpatine somehow, you know? So, so who really knows? I mean, there's, there's so many different ways this could go, but I would like to find out who's Ray's parents are. Um, Cause I think that's a big question on everything. And hopefully we get closure on that. Um, but I would just like to say, I, I, I hope Ray is not a Skywalker, a Kenobi, uh, or a Palpatine. I hope she's some other thing, uh, some other family or some other, I don't know, whoever she is. I just hope she's not one of the main ones, uh, sort of like this force elite, uh, family, family member. Um, and you know, she's sort of like a broom boy from, uh, last Jedi where anybody could be a force user, but at least explain who her parents are. That would be, um, that would be nice. I would send echo that sentiment that, um, I think that was another critique from the last movie that, Oh, your parents are nobody. Well, <laughs> hopefully that was just sort of a talking point there that they, they resolve that in some way. Eric, what about you? Are you holding out hope for any redemption? Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. If they could kind of somehow pull all this together and tie it up where it starts to make some more sense to me, that would be great. And and I, I actually thought that was a pretty good summary, Brandon. I mean, pulling from some of the things that I, we already know work would be nice. I'd love for it to be a holocron. All of a sudden that's something that, you know, I, I would be back, back on board for. I'm, I'm nervous about the thing and that's probably, um, you know, a little bit of a bias from some of the worst stories that came out of the old expanded universe death clones. So I'm always, you know, kind of a little skeptical of, of that whole thing. Um, but yeah, something that kind of cherry pick the best of, of what's out there. And, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So kind of pull those things in. Um, and I'm hoping they do it in a way that I start to, to care about the character. I mean, I'd, I'd love to come out of the movie and be like, I had some reaction to, um, you know, one of these new characters, good, bad, or different, but something where I actually like feel like I'm invested in the story. Um, and I know I've heard, you know, Ray, anything from, you know, she's a new virgins where she's basically like a reincarnation of, of Anakin. And that's just a thing. I don't know. Maybe they could spin that and that would be interesting or, um, you know, somehow make an attachment to, uh, Kylo Ren, where y- you get some piece of the backstory where he's more of a tragic figure rather than just a whiner. I'm just something that makes me connect to to these to these characters. And I know with the name of the movie, there, I've heard a lot of theories that kind of get into the, you know, Skywalker is going to be the gray Jedi. You know, they're not quite evil, they're not quite good, and that 
that ground's been covered pretty extensively in, in other uh, media. And it can be interesting. Sometimes it gets overdone, but, you know, I could see them doing something interesting with that. But um, I'm, I'm really hopeful that, that somehow there's some thread that's gone through this thing I'm missing. And, and um, you know, they have kind of a, a rogue, or I have kind of a Rogue One experience where it's like, okay, this was sort of the piece that I didn't know I was missing, that I was missing. And it, it really kind of pulls it all together and improves the whole thing. Any other hopes beyond uh, episode nine when we wrap up here? Uh, I think officially Disney is not really saying what they're releasing next as far as the the, the main timeline of the, you know, there's not going to be an episode 10 anytime soon. I know, gosh, I think there was potentially a Boba Fett. Um, gosh, was there even going to be maybe uh, some other solo installments? All those sort of backstory ones, as far as I'm aware, are pretty much on hold. But anything you guys are looking forward to beyond uh, episode nine? I know I haven't heard anything official, but I know there's been talks um, as a standalone movie, an Obi-Wan movie that takes place between Sith and the original. And I guess Ewan McGregor has said he's interested in doing that project. I, I think that could be a really interesting movie, uh, especially if, if Ewan McGregor was involved. I think he's one of the, the shining bright spots from the prequel. So I'd love to see him return to the Obi-Wan role. Um, and really, I mean, as we've talked about, like Clone Wars, I have not started watching Mandalorian, but really, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they haven't missed on, on those kind of things. And I think part of that is they've got a group a, a group of you know kind of dedicated fans that are producing those things and they just come up with really good ideas because it's a, a passionate group of people making it um so uh, for me i'm always interested in in consuming new content so i i hope that the shipping out um you know at the same what i would consider same high quality i, I think they really help kind of fill in some of the gaps that the the movies just can't i mean you're you can't watch a you're not going to make a 10-hour movie so um I, I think the shows are great for that brandon how about you anything beyond the the movies yeah i think the um the obi-wan it's actually going to be uh it was announced earlier this year it's gonna be a oh, uh series obi-wan series with you and mcgregor on disney plus um so that's 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 going to be a good one to watch is that is that confirmed then they are going to do it as a show uh yeah i believe they they, re- they revealed that at uh earlier this year okay that it was going to be a show um but as far as shows go um we touched on this in the very beginning with um the mandalorian series um i it i know greg you said you're you're a couple episodes back but if you if you at least seen like the probably episode two or three of the series mm-hmm. um the um Spoiler alert, there's a baby Yoda, if anybody hasn't been on uh, any type of social media. <laughs> For those of you using the internet, if you haven't been on the internet, there's a baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah. There's a baby Yoda. It's not actually baby – and spoiler alert, it's not actually a baby. It's not actually baby Yoda. It's just a baby of species, his species, yeah. number three that we've seen, okay? Um, yeah, so the Mandalorian, the the one of the characters in there – uh, this this doctor who was experimenting on Baby Yoda, uh, a patch on his arm looks very similar to the patches that were worn on the arms uh, of the clones from Attack of the Clones. So I think it's kind of cool they're trying to bring a, um, 
you know, maybe some legitimacy to the prequels or legitimacy to some of the themes that were in the prequels uh, and maybe make people more comfortable with them. But, I mean, The Mandalorian is just, I mean, that thing keeps getting better and better. Uh, I've heard some people kind of dog it for a <laughs> cheese ball soundtrack, but I'm like, just get over it. Like, relax, people. Again, just let's relax. It's a movie. We're loving the fact there's a whole series about the Mandalorians. Um, we really, you know, it's another opportunity to take a dive into that, um, into that mythology. The um, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, gets into some of the Mandalorian culture. Um, Knights of the Old Republic, that game for me, got into talking about Mandalorians. Um, now, I didn't read any of the books or any of the comic books that talked about Mandalorians. So, I mean, it's it's just it's just a great um, a great deep dive into, or it's starting to get to be a deep dive into the Mandalorian culture and. Uh, the storyline of some a brand new character um, who y- you care about. So, Eric, you said you don't care about the characters in really. You really don't care about the new characters that have come out in the new series. Um, I- I'm going to be honest. I can't remember a lot of their names in the new series, um, but at least I know the Mandalorian. That's how I know him. Um, and you 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 want him to win even though he's this bounty hunter um and it, it's a great again it's one of those great dualities where you've got this hardened bounty hunter who's going out and hunting down people potentially killing them he literally is he vaporized probably like half a dozen uh jawas um you know with his rifle but then he has this soft spot in his heart for this um, baby Yoda being, and it, it it adds so much depth uh, of emotion that has to be portrayed in his actions, in uh, the dialogue, in the script writing. Because there's no there's no face, there's no there's no face to connect with. You only see him wearing a helmet. So I think it's very well done in the fact that you have all of this humanity in this character who you've never seen his face, but yet there's some very human and very relatable emotions um, connected to him. So I, I, I think the Mandalorian is absolutely a, a stellar series and uh, you know, I, I think, I think, People are being very short-sighted if they're dogging the soundtrack or dogging the, um, uh, I don't know, there was one episode where he's riding some creature that looked like a really shrunken down T-Rex without a giant head. It looks like a, almost looked like a, a running meatball with tiny little arms, but uh, <laughs> that thing had been, I think that thing had shown up in like a comic book or a book somewhere earlier on. So it's like, that thing was already in the universe. Relax. Um but yeah, I mean, Greg, you need to stop this podcast tonight and go watch The Mandalorian and get caught up. I think that's a good place for us to get to our closing. Yeah, maybe um, maybe Star Wars will do the inverse of Marvel. I think I just saw today that 
Marvel is stopping, I thought it said all of their TV. Um, all TV projects, they're halting them, yeah. Yeah, so so maybe it'll just be the inverse, where Marvel's TV ventures have not done so well, but of course the MCU has been huge. Maybe with Star Wars, the movies haven't been quite what people have been looking for, but they're going to um, find new life with the new series that they've got coming out. So um, yeah, I think we're going to sign off now. We will all probably have seen the movie, let's say, within a week or two of it coming out. So we'll all try to get these guys to record a quick synopsis and review of the movie, and we'll put that into a follow-up episode. So guys, I appreciate it, and I will talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly shows, please hit the subscribe button. Thank you. Suburban Folk is part of the Pod All the Time podcast network with six other great podcasts. They include The Creative Intuitive, Another Digital Citizen, Random Unnamed Podcast, The Cop End Podcast, Big IQ Podcast, and Real AKA Truth. If you check us out on Twitter, you can see links to their direct pages to see what they're up to. 